How's everybody today? Oh. <laughs> Jim will be delighted that Jay is the first man on scene. The very first. Nice dog, Jay. You can see, you can see it's not super good. Got my, uh, I got my Sloan banner up there. We've changed things up a little bit. We've moved the studio around a bit, of course, to show off the Sloan up there. Can you still see that? I think got my Sloan shirt on. Looking good here. I'm going to invite Jimmy right now. That's hilarious, though. <laughs> Snap to attention. Hang on. Let me get him on here. Oh. See if I can do this. It's always. Jim Allen is in the house. Mr. Baker, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I got you five by five, brother. Good to see you. Same here. Look at Looks like you did your hair this morning. Looks good, man. How do you like that? Yeah. I've had the same stupid haircut for 50 years, so. <laughs> you and me both, man. <laughs> That's how my mom did it. It's good enough for my mom. It's good enough for me. Too lazy to change it. <laughs> Kids probably hate it, but whatever. I don't care. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Happy Sabbath. So Happy Sabbath. There. What's that? I get, you're kind of crack, crackly a little bit. Do you have a good connection, or is it me? We'll work through it. Yeah. Uh, happy sort of froze. Oh shit! Yeah, Bob, you there, buddy? Is that better? I can hear you, but you're sort of frozen. The interwebs. There you go. There you go. <laughs> There's that <laughs> what are you in your movie room, man? I'm in my. Basement, yeah. Yeah, nice. Taking in the uh, football game. Oh, yeah. No spoilers if anybody's watching no the spoiler. championship game. Niners are down. But uh, anyway, my Bears have been <laughs> out of it for a while. The Bears have sucked forever. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be better uh, in a couple of years. We've got a new QB. I'm excited. So stay tuned. It's all hope springs eternal with the quarterbacks, don't they? Yeah, I mean, typically, well, we don't need to talk football all night, but typically the Bears are, you know, defined by their defense. You know, yeah. get, off, get off the bus, run in the ball, beat the Packers, all that kind of stuff. But um, now we have this kind of phenom scrambling quarterback. It's kind of a different look, but oh. it's fun. <laughs> we'll see. It's entertaining, right? Yes, sir. And who are you cheering for today? Oh, <laughs> nobody I'm for good football. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of like the Niners, um, but I have lots of friends in Philly, so I'm right down the middle, man. And then when it comes to uh, the next game, Bengals, you know, they kind of impressed me last week. So I, I'd like to see if they can pull this out. I mean, Kansas City's not easy to to go up against. So I think good football today. So that's what it's about. Get some good competition, right? That's right. <clears throat> That's right. All right, Jim. <laughs> Why are you here, man? What's going on? Tell us a little bit about Sloan, and then, like, we'll do the business part. Like, I should just say that this is not a sanctioned event, right? So whatever is about to be said here in the next 65 minutes is not the opinions of the staff or the uh, – <laughs> the company involved. Great disclaimer. <laughs> I did not check with legal before I got on this call, so. Anyway. I did. They said you're fine. <laughs> I think we're fine. From the Canadian uh, side, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> this is this is me fulfilling something I told you I'd do, I think, a year ago at least. Um, yeah. You and I have been buddies on this platform for a couple of years now. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I told you I'd do it if you wanted me to. So here I am, but um, yeah, I, I was looking back at 
some messages that we've shared over the years and it's like i can't believe it's been two years since you and i've been yucking it up on this thing and i i watch you, <laughs> you know, religiously you know um you got some great content some of his rambling uh, <laughs> messages <laughs> which i enjoy too um but no it's it's fantastic and and um i'm just glad to be here and uh, talk to a buddy of mine so that's what it's about why are you here? well why don't you tell us a little bit about the sloan family angle uh the family out of the way. yeah the, how are the, you involved with sloan what's your deal did well, you go to I'm school the, for it or <laughs> what <laughs> you apply for a job and you just got it or what it's the like hair. me they saw the, the hair they hired me hair um, no, it's a family business, as you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, my great grandfather, uh, W. William Elvis Sloan, invented the Royal Flush Valve in 1906. Um, so quite a while, 116, 117 years ago. Um, and the reason why I'm Alan and not Sloan is because I'm a descendant of his daughter's line. So his daughter married Charlie Allen. And he's my grandfather. So, you know, my father is Charles Sloan Allen. And my brother is Charles Sloan Allen Jr. And, they're, you know, obviously we're part of the family. But it's uh, sometimes it's kind of nice not having the, the Sloan name. <laughs> you can kind of fly a little bit under the radar a little bit, which is, which is good. But, you know, it's just a, it's one of those – well, you got you, – you know – Bob, as you said in your teaser, that you know everybody's touched this thing at some point. A lot of y'all have worked on them. Um, yeah. Generally speaking, the public doesn't really notice it. You know, it's one of those things right under everybody's nose, and it's been that way. Um, we've been trying to raise our brand over the last few years, obviously. But um, anyway, so you know, it's a family business. My great grandfather started it. My grandfather was a president there, there's such saga i'm not going to get into like the drama of yeah, it all, yeah but yeah, yeah. <laughs> my father um was all set to go and make his mark on the world on wall street after going to dartmouth in the ivy league and he got called back to chicago saying the family business needs you there's a little bit of a issue tough times for the company and he you know he moved from new york back to chicago where the company was founded and he took over uh eventually took over and he was the president until 2008 um i became president and ceo in 2008 um <laughs> and if you recall 2008 it was like it was yeah july. that was a rough uh, year <laughs> it was july of 2008 and my father you know we the whole story goes not you know we we took this concept to the board the board approved it and so we made my father executive chairman and my two brothers and I created the office of the president in 2008. Later in 2008, the entire economy falls off the cliff, yeah. you know, and, and everything stops. I mean, it was, as we all lived through, I mean, projects stopped, you know, construction stopped. Yeah. Yeah. As you recall, you know, shovel ready projects when they're trying to yeah. jumpstart the economy and that shit. I, Still don't understand exactly where these shovels were sitting, but I know they weren't moving. But for the first uh, couple of years when I took over the company, it was just desperate, dire times. We were layoffs, cutting my own salaries back. You know, thankfully, we have a nice uh, repair parts business. You know, after 117 years of making these things, um, that helps. But we still rely heavily on new construction. So it's it was tough. Um but so we created the office of the president. I'm in the middle of three boys. Maybe I should back up to that fact. Um, and, you know, my older brother, Kirk, was was destined, you know, to take over as be president, although he didn't really feel comfortable because we're, we're equal owners of the business. We each own the business a third, a third, a third. We pay right. each other exactly the same amount. We are very, very close. Um, I mean, my brothers are my best friends in the world. Um, and so when the concept of, you know, taking over the business was, you know, being kicked around in 2006, my brother's like, well, I don't, I don't feel comfortable just because I'm the oldest kid to, you know, take the reins. Maybe there's a shared leadership approach. So we, we studied um, shared leadership at um, 
a school here in Chicago, Loyola. Uh, we're part of a family business school there. And we said, can you show us some data on shared, you know, family businesses that share leadership? And it was like none. It was like, well, it's an, inter it's an interesting idea. And if you want, we can, you know, dedicate a couple of resources and grad students to help you like research it. So we researched it for a couple of years and we interviewed family businesses that were like 12th generation, you know, third generation, fourth generation and, you know, companies that were successful companies that failed and, Obviously, the, the ones that failed are the more interesting subjects because you learn, you know, kind of what worked and what didn't work and how things fall apart. So uh, net, net, at the end of the day, we came up with a governance document uh, that outlines the structure of the business. And each one of us, as I said earlier, is an equal partner, but we have different roles and responsibilities. So my brother Graham oversees um, operate all of our operations around the world um, and HR. My brother Kirk oversees business development, so sales and marketing and that kind of stuff, and IT, and I oversee new product development and finance. So that's how we divided up the, you know, reporting structures of the organization. And like I said, we put it in place in 2008, and, you know, there's there's, there's all kinds of things in that document. Like if we, if we have a fight or we disagreement or something like that, there's... Um, language in there that, that talks about conflict resolution and so on and so forth. And um, we have a, a board of directors and one of the board members has a half a share. So if there is a disagreement, we can take, you know, and we're divided, you know, two and two, my father and one of my brothers disagrees with me and one of my other brothers. Then we have a half a vote at the board for conflict resolution. That's never been exercised. That's awesome. Um, which is, yeah. It's totally awesome, which is a testament to the alignment that uh, my two brothers and I share. So, you know, Jason's on Jason um, Boyd, who's on the call on this call, unless he dropped off that loser. He's probably busy. <laughs> he um, showed up. He's like a Zoom meeting. I'm here. Yeah. And then he shuts this off his camera. Thing. He's going back to hockey. <laughs> yeah. Not to um, you know, he, up, up in Canada, we don't have like the market share we do down here. It's like. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, up up there you've got strong American Standard and and uh, some other you know Delta Tech oh, up there is pretty big. Here, yeah. He just he just chimed in. Oh hey, <laughs> hey, hey there, hey, what's up, Jay? <laughs> Jason could tell you this whole story. Anyway, Jason is our master distributor up in Canada, so he's you know he's knee deep in the Sloan lore. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I mean it's it's kind of a sleepy family business we fly a little bit under the radar but within our you know world within our sphere of plumbing and so on you know we're a trim item we're not behind the wall we're in front of the wall with faucets and valves and that type of thing um but you know the company's been growing you know the markets internationally have been a little rough recently but we do sell all over the world we manufacture in uh, all of our valves are 100% made at our factory in Chicago, outside Chicago and Franklin Park. Um, and we ship all over the world. So, you know, do we have sources that are outside the U.S.? Of course, you know, everybody does. But largely, we're an American manufacturer. Um, yeah. And I think there's, there's great advantages to that in this political climate, especially these days. So, anyway, that, I mean, did you have any specific questions about no. The family or no i just we're just gonna we're gonna try and me and jay are gonna try and in, you know increase your uh percentages up here in canada by like a half a percent maybe or something like that we'll see what we can do <laughs> in, the, in the positive direction you're hoping yeah. <laughs> Screw Jay's yeah. maybe that maybe you should uh, send your lawyers a cease and desist and we'll stop talking about sloan over here. <laughs> i don't know maybe it's, maybe it's harmful to your uh to your branding. Well, who cares? I, you know, I love Canada. Jason and I, we've yucked it up in Toronto. You know, he's in Toronto. And, yeah. You know, Toronto is surprisingly close to Chicago. But, you know, I just love going up there, going fishing um, up in Winnipeg, points north of there, you know, up above the, yeah. the boundary and going for northerns up there is 
doing a shore launch. I don't know if there's much better. <laughs> Seeing a moose, you know, chewing on grass while you're catching fish. It's no. God's country up there. I love it. So I, I love tuning in to seeing the, the sights and sounds of Calgary when you're cruising around, learning all kinds of things about your weather patterns and whatnot. That, that's right. We do have some strange weather over here. Well, Although you did send me. The Chinook. Yeah, that's. The Chinook. That's right. I looked did, you actually, did you actually Google that and see what, yeah. uh, learn about the legend of the horse? <laughs> I, I looked it up. Very common there at the uh, downward slope of a mountain range or something or other. I forget. But, yeah, Argentina, a few places in uh, Arizona, I think. A couple in the Europe. Anyway, it's a anyway. thing. But you did, you did send me a a thing about uh, we just about everybody just about died last week, and no one knew uh, it. Was that the uh, asteroid that flew past? Yeah. Yeah. What's, um, what's up with that? I don't know. I, you know, I'm such a nerd that I, you know, follow these weird <laughs> BBC. So I, I get an alert like, oh, you got an no, alert. Don't look over here, but there's an asteroid flying closer to the Earth <laughs> than ever in the history of mankind, and it's like the size of a school bus. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's nice that they just told us that. And they're like, by the way, it's passing by tonight. So thanks for the warning. <laughs> Some guy discovered it like a week prior. It's it's one of those things that, you know, holy shit, did we just really dodge a bullet? I mean, it was small enough that it would have burned up in the atmosphere. So I did read up on it after it happened. But yeah. um, it, would have it would have burned up. But um, it's still just a little undaunting to know that there's these, you know, things flying past us. And it flew past us at like like 20, 2,200 miles away, which is less than the circumference of the planet Earth. So it flew yeah, yeah. kind of like within us and the moon. I mean, it was, it was close. It was, I mean, I could drive 2,200 miles in a few hours. Uh, anyway, I just, you know, weird stuff like that just sort of gives me a kick and all that. That was frightening, but anyway. Well, that, so well, that started the journey for me this week is, I had to look that up, and I realized that uh, apparently uh, 48 tons of meteors hit the Earth every day. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> well, geez. And, and like you said, most of it gets burned up in the atmosphere, mm -hmm. as shooting stars and all that sort of stuff, but it's not an uncommon thing. They figure somewhere between uh, 12 and 15 actually hit the earth uh, every year. Most of them end up in the ocean or some remote place that they can't recover it from. And a few end up in Kansas and obviously Russia. <laughs> there you go. Big land masses smack dab in the middle of the United States and Kansas. Yeah. Anyway, exactly those, you know, those things, you and I are both, um, I'm not super religious, but I'm a man of faith. And it's, it, those are one of those things that really sort of, make you just thankful sit back for a second and <laughs> hold your children a little bit longer or whatever it is and just sort of say man this could all yeah. be over in a flat but let's not be pessimistic i mean i'm an i'm an optimist so okay well there, uh, that, that's that's perfect so you know what they're you know what they're talking about down there in 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 the states right now in con in congress i mean there's a million things that they're talking about down there so we'll narrow our focus just a, a tiny bit. They are talking with, they want everything, they want oversight on all the Area 51 stuff, which they don't have. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Area 51 is, a, is an important base for the United States military, you know, and they do a lot of very important uh, work out there. I don't pretend to know anything fucking about it, to be honest with you. Excuse my French. Yeah. Um, and if you're, by the way, if you're easily offended, you may want to sign off because I'm liable to drop it. If, if anybody is tuned into this for more than once, then they're not easily offended. They just can, if they are, they're dumb. Well, let me put that's it, what we do here. Let me put it to you this way. Have you noticed, when was the last time that you saw any pr uh, productive dialogue and cooperation coming out of Washington? Oh, uh, it's just same up here. I don't, it's, it's the, the conversation I have with my kids is I took debate in high school and you probably did too. It was a, it was a subject that I, that you had to take. And so you would, you know, 
there's the rules of debate, right? Where you present your argument and then you argue against the argument and then everybody gets a rebuttal and then there's a decision. And all those guys do is yell at each other. Like it's insanity. Yeah. And talk about gas stoves and whatever else they're talking about these days. <laughs> well, I got a question. <laughs> you're, you're, you know stuff about this stuff. So if gas stoves are a problem, quote, you know, air quotes right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Using them for generations, but the uh, what about like a gas log set? Because I have like a gas log set in my living room. It's virtually the same thing, right? It is the same maybe worse. Same thing. <laughs> what about your barbecue? Are you gonna ban all the barbecues too? Yeah, that causes cancer. You got to know that. <laughs> well, you know, anyway, oh. I I'm all for people staying out of my business. I, you know, I like to be warned, <laughs> perhaps yeah. depending on. How sound the science is, but um, anyway, we're all gonna we're all do our own sort of research and make our own decisions like grownups, but and, and not rely on Washington to really do much. <laughs> no, this is again my opinion. This is not the Sloan um, <laughs> company. <laughs> Listen, I tried to get off the government and go into aliens, but you brought it back to the government. And, well, you know, and I, somebody wants to know if you're developing. Like uh, if, if area 50, if there's a Sloan thing on Area 51. Oh yeah, we have the world's largest collection of private parts from our cameras and our sensor valves. We can <laughs> we can identify you. You wouldn't know. Those cameras are very high definition, and you should see a doctor. By the way, Bob. <laughs> Just it's an old, it's an old joke. Everyone's always making fun of Sloan. Like, what are they looking at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's wired right into that big TV right behind you. There. I can right? bring it up. You want to see the, the yeah? Database? Let's see what happened. Let's see, let's see what last happened last night. <laughs> AI, turn on. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I I love the company that I work for. I'm very proud of it. I think it's a great company. I think we make a great product. Are we perfect? No, I don't know anybody that's perfect, but you know what I love and I don't take myself too seriously as you can tell, but I love a good joke, a good plumbing joke, a good joke about toilets. I've heard them all. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard them. I'm pretty sure you've heard them all, but if anybody wants to throw down some good uh, plumber jokes, I'm always happy to hear them. <laughs> plumbing joke. Nobody's got anything new, man. I haven't heard a new one in a long time. It's, I've reached the age where I'm like, yeah, no, I've heard that one. You need to come up with something else, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, you, I think, you know, and I, I watch you and you're doing all these boilers and stuff. And in my opinion, that's a lot more interesting than changing a diaphragm. <laughs> Sloan valve, which I'm sure you could probably do in your sleep. But um, obviously it's my business and I'm glad you're out there doing it and it has to be done. But what I'm, I'm just madly impressed by some of the beautiful work that goes on that people don't get to see. I mean, those beautiful, elaborate yeah. uh, copper setups, you know, going off boilers and into, you know, wherever, whatever they're doing. Like I have, I think I have three boilers here and I was practically <laughs> sitting over the, the guy's shoulder. You know, I don't want to interfere You're while he's working. One of those dudes. Yeah. Well, he's, I was going to watch you, man. I'm yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> well, when I was working and I was out in the field, you know, changing um, toilets and doing all kinds of work, I'd always say to somebody, I'm like, I don't mind if you watch, but it costs extra. I mean, as long as we're, we agree that, you know, this isn't a show. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, these beautiful, you know, it, it's just, it's baffling to me how talented you guys are and the work that you guys do. You know, at the end, you have these beautiful shining manifolds, these beautiful press fit connections and all these, you know, beautiful copper pipes. It's, it's a work of art. It really is. And I, I tune in and geek out on some of the folks that have been on this, this call so far. And I just love it. I think it's cool. Yeah. It's really come a long way. Like, yeah. that, like, look, like even your stuff, right? Like it's, you started off with this and I remember doing boilers and stuff with my grandpa and it wasn't elaborate at all. There was two pipes in and out the chimney, big ass boiler, the end. Yeah. Uh, and now 
like you say, it's it's it you know it's 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 verging on the edge of a bit excessive. You know, I mean, there's some LED light stuff out there, and it's like which is very cool. But you got to find the right customer that's willing to say, yeah, I'll pay an extra bucks to make it a showman piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't, and we don't. all connected. Like I got the, I got Techmar controllers on this. I got a few Techmar controllers. I think I got four of them to run snowmelt around you know, the outside. And I can go on my phone on the Watts and the WhatsApp or, or Techmar app, whatever it is. Watts owns Techmar, but go in and it's it, it like goes to the internet. It says storm approaching, you know, like warming up the system or whatever. I just find that awesome. It's it just. <laughs> When it's working, when it works, it's awesome. <laughs> when it works. Okay, yeah. Jimmy, is that your wife? Or are you in trouble? Your wife on this call? Misfit Moose. Uh, Misfit Moose is not my wife. Why wouldn't she? She thinks she has fantastic hair. And you have fantastic hair. Thanks, Moose. Moose has fantastic hair, too. I'm sure. <laughs> And we're just talking about a moose. <laughs> yeah. Right? What's up, moose? <laughs> Miss you, buddy. <laughs> so we were we were chatting, not you and I, but you you jumped in on the on the on the comment section. We were talking about uh, Antarctica and I, I think you're probably the only one that I know of that's actually been to Antarctica. No, I, I said I had friends that were there right now. I've not oh, been there. Oh no. you haven't been there. No, no, you know. So you can't tell me what's actually over and out our Antarctica. I can t tell you what, which is what? You can't tell me what's in that Antarctica. Yeah. It's, it's a your friend. Frozen rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've read up on some of these theories and so on, and, and you Google Earth and you see like this outpost down there. You're like, what the hell's going on down there? And it seems like a right place for aliens to sort of hide out because there's no humans down there. There's uh, nothing down there. You know, did, you I, Google, did you happen to Google? Uh, did you happen to Google New Schwabenland? No, it's, it's, have you heard of that? New Schwabenland. New Schwabenland. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> it's a Never thing. It. It's legit a thing. How do you, it's you spell a, that? Uh, <laughs> new, and then. Yeah. Charles Schwabenland. Charles Schwabenland. Yeah. yeah. I'll check yeah. it out. So what, what is it? I don't know. Are we going to bore people with what this is? Schwabenland. Check out. Check out when you got when you got some extra time. Don't don't cut into your workday. Um, uh, Operation uh, Operation High Jump. Check that out. Awesome. And you're gonna have to go. You're gonna have to go a little bit past just the Wikipedia page. You know that. Like the Wikipedia page is like. You know the uh, the door in the wardrobe of the lion in the wardrobe. You got to go past. You got to go down that path a bit. It's crazy. Go in, down into <laughs> the rabbit hole. You're saying <laughs> going into the rabbit. That's a bit. You're going into the rabbit hole. Operation high jump. <laughs> Operation high jump. Yep. Well, in fact, uh, that there's 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 a I I um. I found something out that some researchers did, which is legit, about uh, uh, Salem. Do you know what they figured started the Salem witch trials? Lead. They, I have no idea. <laughs> close. <laughs> they said that uh, it was everybody got, there was a certain, like when uh, there was a late frost and a wet spring. And when that happens, there's like mold that grows on the barley or whatever, on the bread. Yeah. And everybody was tripping on basically LSD for like <laughs> two years until the, they used up the bread supply. And so everybody's like, that chick is crazy because he's tripping, he's tripping out on, on stoner bread. And I'm not, like, this is not made up. It's a legit, it's a legit theory of what they think happened in Salem. It's Sounds plausible, and it sounds like a really bad trip for those witches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they got screwed. <laughs> they got screwed. It's the bread, man. It's not me. I really, you know. You, you throw back your bread. morning, your morning bread, and then you walk outside, and you're like, "That woman's a witch." 
<laughs> I know it. She's Those doing weird things. Oh. Well, that would be well, tragic. Also, what a dark moment. My God. It's terrifying. It is a really. dark moment. They also um, but, found that, yeah. I was going to say, uh, they, I was doing, obviously, I do a little bit of digging here and there, but they were talking about the Roman wine that they had back then. They found out that they were late. It was laced with like an ergot stuff. So it wasn't like your California wines or something that's good with steak or whatever. Like it was, they got stoned off that stuff. Well, it was probably a lot safer than the water supply at the time. So what I've heard is, yeah. you know, people would be drinking beer and wine and so on at breakfast. And if somebody pulled out a glass of water, they'd be like, what are you trying to do? Kill yourself. <laughs> there's, co there's cholera in there. My God, drink a beer. <laughs> that is true with uh, freaking uh, with water, water was so bad that that's how beer got its start, right? Like that's what you had to drink because it was killed everything. Which is the perfect segue to what you do for a living, which is protect and preserve the public health. <laughs> and without plumbers, we'd all be screwed because there'd be no sanitation, there'd be no fr clean, you know, drinking water. And I don't know that the r rest of the you know public totally appreciates it, and that's okay, but. I like to mention at any chance I get that don't you don't you ever underestimate the importance of having <laughs> a working sanitation system. Look back in history; it's pretty much the reason why we can cohabitate in such successful ways in such large numbers. And it's you know, obviously I'm preaching to the choir, but it's um, obviously critical to everybody. So you're it's welcome. They, <laughs> they figure again. This is a super controversial one, but there's some evidence to back it up that um, uh, the, the plumbing, it wasn't, it wasn't vaccines, it was plumbing that changed everybody's health. The fact that we could remove these communicable diseases and deal with them appropriately. Um, there's a big article on it. I can't remember the source of it anymore, but I did read it and said that there's some evidence to suggest that maybe it's, you know, hand in hand, with the you know development uh, advances in the medical field, but also developments in plumbing technology that allowed, like you just said, millions of people to cohabitate within whatever that is, a couple hundred square miles, and everybody's happy and healthy and doing their thing, right? Well, not everybody. Um, not everybody. I've been to everybody. India. I've been to India. I've been to parts of Africa that are, you know, it's such a stark contrast between what we have you know, in the Western Hemisphere, at least in, our, you know, Canada, the United States and, and modern, quote unquote, yeah. Western world, um, that, you know, we, we do business in India. Part of the reason why we're doing that is because at one time, the prime minister of India said toilets before temples. And what he was trying to say. Really? Is part, that was yeah, a legit was saying, thing that he said? Yeah, he said toilets before toilets before a temple. Yeah, well, they're cool. spending all this mo money, you know, like redoing the Red Fort in Delhi, and you know, tons and tons of money to keep up these, you know, beautiful relics, and they have to be sort of dealt with. But he, what his point was, we need to, you know, be, begin a journey to a Western style sanitation system because right now in certain parts of the you know slums in new delhi or you know slums anywhere really is just basically an open sewer if you're yeah. lucky you've got some sort of uh, water tank that gets replenished with clean water you can trust but it, it's it's, a, it's pretty brightening over there and, it, and cholera will break out in one of those communities you know pretty regularly and it's yeah. and cholera is a terrible terrible thing but you know we talk about the importance of of what you do for a living and what a lot of folks that are on this call do for a living is maintain the public health through a system of you know modern sanitation it's i i think we're doing a misservice this is again my opinion not sloan so bob bear with me <laughs> every once in a while like bill, bill gates i think has this like make the third world toilet you know that can stand alone or whatever else for these remote African villages and all this stuff. Well, I find that to be very nice of him, very thoughtful in an, in an exercise we're doing. However, why don't you take those millions of dollars and put in a sewer system and put in, you know, a yeah, yeah. sewer treatment facility 
and, and br you know, bring that um, society up into at least a you know basic level of sanitation. Um, I say that in some circles, and they're like, well, you know, they don't ha they have to carry the water from, and and believe me, I'm not going to stick my head in the yeah, head on that one. But I I do think we can't leave the rest of the world in the dark, and I, and I also mean not just sanitation but technology. Um, you know, there's there's this ever evolving technology in the Western world, AI, the internet, all this stuff, and then there's another part of the world that is literally third world doesn't have access to that. And what? How does that play out in fifty years? How does that play out in a hundred years? Like our grandkids, yeah. what's the world look yeah. like? You know, and who's at you know at each other's throats at that point? Um, so I think we need to be thinking now about how we bring everybody up together versus, you know, just throwing something over the wall and say, here's a, you know, compact toilet for you to, you know, use. That's my thought. What, what do you think of that? I agree. I, it's all about, in <laughs> but no, like it's all about infrastructure, right? Like they sort of, you know, it's, it's like the, the portable toilets that you see at the construction site. I mean, that serves a purpose mm -hmm. until until the system's installed, right? And then right. once the system's installed, the portable toilets go away because there's operating bathrooms. Yep. So if that's phase one, uh, we'll say Billy's uh, grand plan, which I don't know, but great, but it doesn't seem to be. <laughs> Just give them those and then they'll be fine and we'll We'll worry about something else, right? That's not how that should work or does work. And meanwhile, while the Chinese, <laughs> here comes the conspiracy. Uh oh, the Chinese! Meanwhile, the Chinese are in Africa, like giving, pouring tons of money into uh, infrastructure. Well, they want the mineral water rights and, and, and they do yeah. interesting things because they're thinking on a hundred year time frame versus what we think on. Um, but, you know, they're, the Africans have a love hate. Uh, feeling about what the Chinese are doing in their homeland, you know, it's, you know, I think it's a huge opportunity for the for the Western world to lead with, you know, compassion on a mission to help these people, you know, bring them up to, you know, at least minimum standards from sanitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. Is yeah. that? And you're in your work. Are you are currently working with the government on that? Me? The Indian no. government? No. Sloan? We, we, <laughs> No, what we want to do is encourage, because you put a Sloan valve and everybody who's on the call knows that a Sloan valve works on, you know, the, the mains pressure, right? So you need a one inch yeah. line coming in. Um, so that's right there is almost like we're dead in the water because India doesn't have mains pressure. They basically, they fill it, um, a tank on the roof of buildings and they go off the head pressure of a tank on the roof. Uh, and they certainly don't use an inch, you know, copper line feeding these things. At least some, you know, modern hotels and modern, you know, offices and so on. Yeah, we can um, convince an architecture firm to kind of put in, you know, a system that works off of a, a good pressured yeah. system. Um, but a lot of the world just works off of gravity pressure, you know, like all over Asia, Thailand, um, you know, parts of Singapore, well, not Singapore, Singapore is pretty advanced, but anyway, so what we try and do is we don't want to shove our product down a market's throat that doesn't, isn't designed for it. You know, so yeah. we, we have engineers and developers there that design products for that market. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So it wouldn't yeah. be, it wouldn't be like a Royal 111 flushing a toilet over there. It would be some version of a of a, a product that we make just for that marketplace so specific purpose yeah yeah oh, that's awesome that's a start though right yeah <laughs> and you and you can see what what happens on those you know you look at uh well you said singapore taiwan those places were were you know third world countries 50 years ago and yep. now they're you know, the, some of them are the technological marvels of the world. Yeah. Same thing happening in the Middle East and Abu Dhabi, Dubai and yeah. the Emirates. Um, I got a question for you. So tell me about your family and your, 
why are you here? Why are you in the plumbing industry? How did you get to be where, who you are, where you are? Everybody, everybody, everybody knows this story, man. My, I'm the same as you. My, uh, my grandpa started it in 56 after uh, he came back from the war in 48. He was a, a uh, he was an aircraft mechanic that worked on the, there was that, um, um, the Hawker Hurricanes, part of that initiative to help out with Britain before uh, the U.S., before the U.S. joined the war. And so they were getting all their raw materials here. We were building the planes here and shipping them over uh, to fight the Battle of Britain in uh, whatever that was, 41 to 44, we'll say. And so he was an airplane mechanic here in, out in Toronto there in Ontario. And then when he, uh, when the war was over, uh, he married his wife and went back to what was called rehab therapy. And, and it was plumbing school. That's what they called it back then. Was <laughs> when you went in and did a trade, they called it rehab. <laughs> and uh, I, no, no, I literally no. have a picture <laughs> of him in his graduating class, and it says uh, rehab class of whatever it was, 51 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so which is cool. And then he came out to Alberta down, uh, down in Lethbridge, which is a small town south of here and, uh, worked for a guy for two or three years and then came up to Calgary and started his business in 56. He ran it till about, about 1970 and then my dad took over and my dad ran it, uh, till about 2000. And then I sort of got involved in the day to day and we sort of had a similar plan to what you were talking about, but sometimes uh, uh, the big man upstairs got other plans. My dad passed away in 2006, and so I've been sort of running it. I'm the oldest of six kids. None of my other siblings had any interest in the business, and they're off to doing their own thing. And so uh, thankfully I convinced my boys to, to take up the reins. So I hope to be, you know, five years from now, sort of uh, jet-setting with Jimmy to uh, – to uh, Abu Dhabi and Singapore and <laughs> Taiwan. Sloan Park. Sloan Park. <laughs> yeah. Come, come, check out a, come check out a Cubs game. <laughs> yeah. You have three boys and two girls. Is that right? Uh, other way around. Okay. Two boys and three girls. Two boys and three girls. Yeah. Three girls. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's and great. I- it's, a, it's a wonderful <laughs> life. And you... And you literally have just started off on your little journey here with your first. Yes. Right? Yes. And you've uh, held up to your namesake. You got them, you got, you covered both the bases. Emerson Sloan, right? Yeah. She, uh, she was born in May, my first child. And uh, thank God I'm super young. <laughs> <laughs> you should uh, know. I was thinking about it yesterday that your oldest daughter is younger than my oldest grandson yeah (laughs) my god (laughs) i guess i didn't get the memo bob i you know i didn't you got the memo you're doing just yeah i waited to get married till i found a a great girl and i was having plenty of fun you know waiting for that day to come but uh i (laughs) we we got married three years ago and then emerson came in may and I turned 50 in June. So it's like, it's, it's a different path, you know, and I, and I think. Just, uh, you're just going so to pay the same price that I paid. It's just, it's just a different timeline. That's all. Well, I, you know, I'm so much more uh, patient than I was when I was like 25 or 30. I mean, it's like um, now mentally between the years i feel like i'm i'm in a perfect place to be dealing with some of this stuff um you know whereas when i was a you know 30 year old kid i would have you know it would have freaked me out and i would have tried to you know control everything but now with the passage of time ways you know and and everything else you learn you can't control things what you have to do a little more mellow keep them safe and uh, teach them to be good, kind people in this world and to work hard and get out of their way, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's perfect. That's exact. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. 
that's the, the whole give it your best effort you know try and be amenable stand up for yourself when people aren't and then you know what i mean let the chips fall where they may and and do the best anytime every everywhere you go right what else is there really well when i was raised you know in the family business within our business when you turn 16 you go to work in the factory in the summer when you're off of school um and you start whatever pushing a broom and then by the time you're in summer two summer three you're working machine you're working alongside a guy who's doing cnc setup work or you're working you know machine making parts um and my grandfather i remember my this is my father's father um telling me jim you've got one obligation when you come in the doors of sloan valve company if you ever decide to work here you need to know how to make the best flush valve in the world you need to know yeah. every machine that's on that shop floor and you need to know the people that work on me. You need to understand. And, and I remember my friends were down here on Lake Michigan spinning whistles, you know, on, on a, on a lifeguard tower while I was getting up at, you know, three in the morning to go, you know, report to a machine shop. Um, I made much better money than they, they did, but it was, <laughs> you know, it was hard work and, I worked just about every single machine at one point or another. My father would not let us work in the assembly department. Not that, you know, mad respect for every single person that works at Sloan and for the job they do. You know, I, I love them and I, and there's nothing I would ask somebody to do that I wasn't willing to do, but my father wouldn't let us work in the assembly department because the assembly department was air conditioned and he didn't want us sitting there in the air conditioning, you know, bagging parts or something. Um, and so that's just kind of my father's mentality is like, he's not going to raise some, you know, people that don't understand the value of a hard state, you know, good, honest day's work. And, and it's, it's something that was just sort of beating my head. So when I was growing up, I'm like, forget this man. The last thing I want to do is work for that guy or this company. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love yeah. my father, but, you know, when you're a kid and you're 17 or 18 years old, you're like, man, I, I don't want to work in here, do this. And so I set off on a different path entirely when I was a young man. Um, and it wasn't until I was probably 25, 26 that I realized what a great company Sloan is and what potential they had. And, um, you know, and I can't, I was, I was working at the time I was living in the Caribbean, um, just barely making enough money to pay my bar tab every week. And right. I just sat there and I'm like, <laughs> this is beautiful as this is and everything, you know, I can't like really have a meaningful impact sitting here in this bar in St. Thomas, you know, I, I've got to get my shit together and get out of here. So I got a call from my father around that time. He's like, we have a job um, that you might be interested in running a plumbing crew in Atlanta. Uh, it's like 13 guys doing plumbing retrofits at a, um, in and around a, a La Quinta hotel in uh, Atlanta, um, you know, and there was a guy who was running the crew and I was going to come in and sort of be like, assist him and, and do some labor work, you know, bring fixtures to the, you know, all this stuff. I think I told you this. I think I told you this story. <laughs> I think you told me the, uh, <laughs> you certainly told me a version of this story. Yes. Well, <laughs> I got into it and eventually I, I took the job of running this crew and we were in Austin, Texas this one time. And we were working again, La Quinta hotels were changing a low full of toilets and we had this, you know, this contract with them to do it. And anyway, we we're way ahead of schedule, right? So I'm being a nice guy. It's Friday afternoon. We probably have two days of work. We're ahead of schedule. So we'll bang it out Monday, Tuesday, next week. A lot of these guys were from Houston. So I'm like, why don't y'all knock it, you know, this is about noon on Friday. Why don't y'all, um, you know, get down to your families, enjoy the weekend. <laughs> I, th I think I'm being this nice, cool boss or whatever. I'm like, go, you know, get home to your families, right? And so then I go, whatever, I leave. And then I get a call, uh, what would be about 2.30 or 3 in the morning, or 3 or 4 in the morning on Saturday from the, the manager of the hotel. So my crew lived, we had rooms and worked in the same hotel. So he's like, uh, did you let your crew go a little bit early? 
today on Friday. I'm like, yeah, they're, you know, they get, get a jump on traffic, get back to Houston or whatever. And he's like, well, a couple of them took my key engineer and went down to 6th Street in Austin and bought themselves some crack cocaine, got themselves nice and drunk, and came back to the hotel and got into a fight with each other. Yeah. And it was such a bad fight that, like, one of the guests at the hotel got involved. It was just this, I'm just sitting there, my jaws dropping. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And, and I'm like, sir, whatever it takes, we're going to take care of it. If I have to comp the, you know, the rooms of everybody in the hotel for the night, we will. I'm going to take care of those guys. They're fired, obviously. This is, you know, yeah. i got to get these yeah. guys. He's like, well, they're all still up in their rooms. And I'm like, I'm going to go get them out of here, you know, and we'll knock this job out. I'm so, so sorry. We'll take care of it. Anything we need to do, please, you know. We'll take care of it. So I go up to the room. I knock on the door. The guy <laughs> answers the door. Like, blood, missing front tooth, blood coming down. And he's got the yellow pages open to attorneys. He's telling me, Jimmy, I got I to gotta call this. This guy assaulted me. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. You're fired. Get your stuff together. I'm driving you to the train station right now. And he's like, no, my God, come on. You know, I, I was, you know, he jumped, whatever. I'm like, you're fired. Let's go. And then I look on the, you know, the credenza there and there's like a little baggie of what appeared to be crack cocaine. So I grab that, put it in my pocket and I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's go. And he's massive, you know, searching around the apartment for something. I'm like, what are you doing? Let's go. He's like, I'm looking for something. I'm like, whatever it is, you don't need it. Let's go. You're fired. Let's go. So I call up, <laughs> I called up my father. This was then like 10 in the morning on Saturday. I'm like, dad, you wouldn't believe what, what happened out here in Texas today. It was like, what? I told him this whole story. Oh, and then, by the way, I also had in my pocket, the, the manager of the hotel is like, this is a, a tooth we found in the, in the parking lot. So give the guy give him his tooth back. So I'm like, Dad, this is just crazy. I, I, I fucked up. I let these guys go early. They get in a fight. You know, I've got this crack in my pocket that the guy was, you know, whatever. My, my dad's like, you have the plumber's crack in your pocket? And I'm like, yep. I do. And there was the punchline of a crazy story. But I learned my lesson about these things now. And it's like, you know, you have to think a little bit, a couple of steps down the road before you do something nice because, you know, no good deed goes unpunished in this world. So that was my mother's, that's my mother's favorite saying was no, no good deed goes unpunished. It's true. And it's, it is true. It sounds like we have a very similar uh, uh, upbringing for sure. Uh, I, my, my father didn't let us get away with anything, and I sort of the same thing, sort of 17, 18. In fact, I told my dad when I, I left home that I was never going to touch a pipe wrench again. Like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I, was, went, I, got, I got into university and went, and I was going to uh, take computer programming and started doing that, and then realized one day that I was going to have to spend my entire life in a cubicle, tic-tacking away at this stupid keyboard and... and and had to come back and beg my dad for forgiveness, mm -hmm. which he did not immediately, uh, you know, <laughs> give to me. It took a while for that to, he said, well, if you're serious, that's fine. Well, you can come back, but, you know, you're low man on the totem pole, and, you know, you're going to be treated like dirt, and we'll talk, and, like, don't even come and talk about a raise or anything for at least six months so I know you're serious. So it was a bit of a learning circle. And, I, frankly, we should – you know, we need to get together for reals mm -hmm. because I have 8,000 of those stories of having people work for me that I can't repeat <laughs> on the internet because they're so horrific. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, breaking up fights between girlfriends and boyfriends and, you know, you're just like, what the hell? That, it's, I, it's a testament to me and I suspect it's a testament to you of what a solid, constructive uh, family circle can bring to your life and the direction that it can give you eventually. Um, well, I don't want to make it sound as though I was some saying. I certainly fucked up quite a bit. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not, I can say, that's, that's the eventually, right? Like, you have, at least you have, you have something to, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, if you're coming back home that there's some expectations of you right right no matter I what. think that's yeah it, it, there's there's something that i think is fundamental in what you've said and i think 
little bit of what I've said is, you know, what one of the worst things in the, in the world that you see happen sometimes is parents that spoil children, you know, and it's like, yeah. boy, what what's going to wind up that is so such a disservice to that child, you know, and, and what is that person's contribution going to be to this world down the road when they realize shit's not going to be handed to them for the rest of their life. They have to, you know, it's some, it, it's, and you see it sometimes in different communities. I live in a, a nice community in the North shore of Chicago and, I, and some of these families and it, it's like, what are you thinking, man? You, yeah. you have to, you have to put a, a, a certain amount of boundaries around some things and, and, you know, make some kids uh, not get whatever they want. There's nothing more miserable than a spoiled kid. that's like Baruch Assault. Like I want it now. I want it now. You know, it's like everybody hates that character because they're so lousy. Yeah. And they, I hate to break it to you, but they don't turn out to be wonderful people either. At the end of the day, it's such a no. disservice. No. Even though it's, it's I can, hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. It, internal, and you'll find that out. Like I'm going to say it to you, Jimmy. Just, you know, yeah. you're a baby girl. I have a baby Later. girl. My, my oldest is, like, I say to her all the time, I, there aren't words to express how much I love you. There's just mm -hmm. not. Like, I can't manifest it. Um, but at the same time, she'll admit that, and she has said to me, <laughs> after she's left and got married, she says, you know what, Dad, you, were har you are hard. Like, you're hard and, and have expectations of us. But that has made all the difference in mm -hmm. what what I can appreciate and what I see around me, and I and how I live my life. And so, it's it's a it's a hard thing to be. I don't know what the right word for it is to be mean to your children for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. But coming out the other end with, uh, you know, I still have one that's sixteen, so I got to be a little bit mean to her still. But. Uh, <laughs> Dad, you're ruining my life. You're I am. Life. I ruin her life all the time. <laughs> oh, you can't take it. What's the score? I gotta turn this off. It just popped back on. I had a pause. Oh. <laughs> TV wants me to get back to football. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. While we're almost, we're just about up on the hour. I don't want to take too much of your time. And speaking of which, you've got to put that beautiful baby girl of yours back to, back to bed or to bed, well, she, right? She just got up behind you. I'm looking at the nanny cam, and uh, Mama just picked her up from her nap. So I, you're right. I do have uh, a bath to deal with and, <laughs> <laughs> and football. Yeah. Bob, it's good to talk. Yeah, good yeah. to see you, man. We gotta, we gotta hang out in person. I mean, I'll come up there. Shoot, I mean, we'll we'll drag Jason over there, and and next time you're in <laughs> Chicago, if you don't call me, you're in big trouble. And Dude, I'll I will. You. Yeah, you better. No, we, we will. We're like, uh, and the truth of the matter is, is I'm a couple of years away from just sort of letting the you know, hoping the boys run some few things, and you know what it's like trying to you know deal with the handover and takeover of that stuff. But uh, yeah, um, we're, we're getting Plans, closer. Right? Yeah. What's that? I said plan for it. I mean, you have to be smart about that. An estate plan is is involves attorneys, yeah. involves you know. Yeah. Terrible scenario. Like I've said before, <laughs> you gotta have a good accountant and a good lawyer. All right, who's a Pegaphone? Is that uh, Peggy? Never heard. Never heard of him. Pegaphone. Peggy. <laughs> it's my sister. <laughs> Hi, Peggy. Oh. <laughs> my pretense she's not, she's not blood but she is blood you know what i mean she's no i well, think i've had mother, i think i've had a few conversations with peggy over the over the years yes haven't yeah, i have and she yeah yes, she's I probably have. the one to send you a sloan shirt that you're wearing perhaps yes thanks yeah. peggy i oh wait there it is i know i know jim doesn't know how to mail anything so peggy jim has a whole whack of shit that he's supposed to send me that you yet to do it I have no clue how to send something to Canada. It's a black hole. For me. Peggy, you'll have to jump in on that one. Stick it in one of your Sloan boxes that you send to me. It'll be fine. That'll work out. Yeah. See your, that sounds like a See your distribution. Careful what you wish for, Bob. Uh, any closing thoughts, Jimmy? 
No, you know, the only thing I'll say is this has been fun. This is an interesting platform. And I like the way you, you know, sum it up on occasion and pontificate about, you know, it has its ups and downs and, and it's good and bad side. But without it, you and I wouldn't be friends. And I consider you a friend. Um, other people that I've met on this platform, you know, I, I am not, this is my personal uh, account. This, this isn't a Sloan account. I'm not on here trying to promote, this isn't a Sloan yeah. ad. This is just my personal account. And I follow you because I think you're interesting, clever and smart and, and good what you do. And if, it, if you can't do it, it can't be done. And I just, I dig right. you and I, I'm going to continue to watch pretty much everything you post. Um, but no, this, I'm glad, I'm glad we uh, came full circle and, and, and had this chat and, for the nine people that came on board and listened to it, I, thanks for tuning in. Um, Dude, Peggy, it's, e it's easily a couple hundred, man. Yeah, great. I'll send, great. You, the, I'll send you the things. Yeah. Would this get recorded? I mean, some things I'd like to, yeah. you know, redact. Can I redact it, like, no. before we... No. Oh, no. Should have checked with legal. It's going, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going it's to go on YouTube on Tuesday. It'll be on uh, Spotify on tomorrow. So... Whatever you said, it's freaking gold, man. Wonderful. And I, let well, me just reciprocate that. Yes. It's, and, and all honestly, it took me like three months to figure out who you were when you first <laughs> followed me. I'm like, who's this Jim Allen dude? <laughs> what a weirdo. So you very much fly under the radar, and uh, you're not pushing anything. And like you, like we've just sort of manifested here. You know, we uh, it's it's fabulous how. 2,000 miles and, and uh, um, whatever has, can, these apps can bring it together and, and you can develop a friendship that uh, is remote and meaningful. And you've certainly uh, been very kind to me, which I'm incredibly grateful for and shared some interesting things that have made me think about, you know, sort of outside my own little bubble here in Calgary, Alberta, of how things work in the world and, I'm certainly appreciative of that. So that's it's mutual, awesome. That's it's awesome. Mutual. mutual. And yeah. next time you you have you know you're sitting there on a job site and you have an, uh, a Royal 111 ESS valve and you're trying to put <laughs> you're trying to put a, an EBF valve body on that sucker. That's not going to work. I'm happy to listen. Help out. <laughs> let me just let me just slam slow for two seconds. I'm like, what in the <laughs> f? It. It's the exact same valve except for one tiny little piece. <laughs> well, what you don't I, see, oh. Mr. Baker, is there's a boring inside the valve body, a hole, so that when that solenoid on an ESS valve trips that solenoid, it actually, because there's a, a boring inside the valve body, it relieves the pressure in the up, upper chamber, starts the flush cycle, which is different than on a battery version. There you go. There yes. You go. <laughs> there's a lot. I'm it I'm looks the same outside. I literally yeah. bought three of them. I send them with Isaiah. I'm like, dude, this will take you like half an hour, piece of cake, bing, bang, boom, in, out. He sends me the picture that I sent you with WTF. I'm like, I don't know what the hell. What? How is it different? And of course. Call Dan Walker. Call Dan Walker. I'll call. All right. I'm he's there for, Dan he's Walker there is my man. Dan's there for you. He will take care of you. Dan. Dan, why would I? Listen, and this is no disrespect to Dan. Why would I call Dan when I can? And I have a pipeline to the president that's sitting on the factory floor that can ask his engineer, what does this dumbass need? <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I thought I knew. I was just confirming to make sure I didn't give you bunk info. But yeah, anytime you want, nope. Bob, you can bother me. Bother Dan. Fuck Dan. 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 Good, good to careful, see you. What, Dan. Did, what did Jim just say to me? Careful what you wish for, Dan. I'm a pain in the ass. Because yeah. everything I deal with is a pain in the ass. I can hear Dan right now going, bring it. He, he can take it. He's been, he's, been <laughs> he's been through it. He's been through it, man. Well, listen, oh. I really appreciate it, Mr. Baker. You got a great company. You got a great family. You're a great man. It's a really honor. It's a pleasure and honor to speak with you. I see some friends popping in. Ted, what's up, brother? Um, so I'm just <laughs> there. there. <laughs> I should have. Oh, looks like you got. Looks like you got some infighting to deal with, Jimmy. I can't <laughs> wait. Come on down to the Chicago. The warring tribes have started. <laughs> I'll come up to Canada. I'm overdue for a visit. Oh, so good. So good. All right. Thanks again. 
Enjoy. Be safe. We got to that baby girl of yours. And uh, go Niners, I guess. Whatever. It's probably over. I don't uh, know. I'll watch it. Don't yeah. spoil. Don't spoil. I have no right. idea. Yeah, I won't spoil it. Peace. Thanks, Jimmy. Bye for now.